This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb. I don't think they can hear that because there's music playing right now, but that in the background is our 4 p.m. train. <laughs> it goes by here like yep. clockwork here in the studio in Austin, Texas, our headquarters, the headquarters of uh, 5x5, Quit, and my home. And mine. I'm Dan Benjamin. Today is Wednesday instead of a Friday. It yeah. feels weird to say that. But uh, sitting across from me, speaking of uh, people who are headquartered in Austin. I am also headquartered You're headquartered right here in Austin. And uh, you're actually born and raised here. Yes. In Austin, I am rare. Texas. You are rare. You are what they call a unicorn. Everyone else is, uh, is an import. <laughs> You know, I've been thinking a lot as as we wrap up doing this show forever. Uh, you know, it's it, I've been thinking back on the last uh, previous 90 episodes. This is episode number 91. And it occurs to me that uh, the show has changed a lot in those 90 it sure has. episodes. When we started out. It was just it was me. I was angry. It was you're raging. Angry, you're yelling. And we had the we had the calls. We had lots of in studio guests, and yeah. then over time, it's shifted away from calls and more into listener feedback and emails. And, and it's become much nicer. I think it's a much nicer show. Yeah, it's a much nicer show. I think people are maybe getting even more help from the show now than they were before, even though they might have seemed like that. But I feel like it's we and we were talking about this earlier today that it's it's in a way it's become a, a cozier a cozier. It has. Smaller show, in a way. Yep. I like it like that, though. Instead of being a show that... But the weird thing is, the, the less angry I got on this show... You'd lose listeners. The fewer <laughs> listeners we have. Like, people really liked that. If you're yelling, then people, it we're must be important. great downloads. It must be important. Who's that guy on MSNBC? or The one Mar that yells. MS Money or whatever it is, the guy that yells, Kramer. He's so smart, but he he's realized at some point... But yelling yell. is his 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 thing. It's the key. It is the key. I'm going to need to turn down. I'm not editing any of this out. I need to turn <laughs> down your little. Uh, is it too much? Well, it's it's. I need to turn down the threshold. Is what I need to do. This is behind the behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, of what happens when Hattie's uh, gate is up. Is too high. Too high. Because when I laugh. <laughs> No, don't. <laughs> never laugh. This show's not about laughing. See it cutting? Yeah, I do hear it cutting. But that's also because you're laughing. I'm trying to increase the speed. All right. Maybe I've done, maybe I've done something better? good. I, th I don't know. Okay. We'll find out. Our, yeah, that does sound better. Okay. Our neighbor is barking up a storm in there today. All about his diamonds. And it occurs to me in that sense also that I really... We, you know, we have not had the best luck with office spaces. And one of the things that you don't think of when you start a business, I, I often think back fondly to when I was running this business out of a closet, literally out of a closet, yep. and then eventually a guest room. And I started five by five when my son was two years old. I had, uh, I guess there's some people who are listening who haven't heard this story before, but those who have, bear with me. I had been CTO of a San Francisco startup, and I did that for more than a year, and it was horrible for me because <laughs> the startup was pretty bad, but 
Although I learned a lot, it was an incredibly stressful job. And like my whole career, I, I had always dreamed of that role. I had always wanted to be CTO. Like that was the dream. That's what I was working toward my whole career, my whole life, like working toward it, working toward it, working toward it. That's the fourth yawn that you've done. I, know, I was waiting for you to call me on it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get over three. I, you haven't yawned once all day. You got <laughs> I don't in, know what it you is. You got into work. You, I mean, you were late getting in. I'm not going to hold that against you. You were late getting in, but so all day. You? No, it's fine. No. And uh, you haven't yawned all day. The minute we start uh, recording <laughs> something, know. you Do start yawning. Do you think yawning. it's a posture, th- posture thing? I don't know. You are laying on the ground. I mean, maybe that's yeah, why. Yeah, with my pillow and my blankie. Do you think it's because... No, I'm sitting in a chair. Do you think it's because you are not looking at a screen? Do you think it is it... I, I admit, I do talk a lot. And it's, it has nothing to do it's with... It's not my voice putting you to sleep. No, no, and it has nothing to do with the content. It's just... I don't know. I think because I'm not... I'm actually not actively doing something that my body's like, not doing anything, shut down. <laughs> I want to test this. I want to test it. Uh, right, like if you're like, Hattie, go sit in the corner and don't read, just sit in the corner. Chances are I'll probably start yawning a lot. I want to test this out. I want to test it out tomorrow at around three, four o'clock in the afternoon. You're doing it again. Mm-hmm. Around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Have you move away from your computer right, and just sit there. not near a microphone at all. Yeah. All Same you chair. Do, all you do is talk about how tired you are. And so I did some research about that. We'll get into... Well, we talked about sleep last time, too. Yeah. One of our show topics today, as I've been continuing to study this, there is there are a handful of articles that I found, which are going to be in the show notes. And uh, I read... Show notes are at 5by5.tv slash quit slash 91. Sorry, Heidi. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say I found... I was reading an article about sleep and how to become an early riser mm. if... Waking up is really, really hard for you. Can you, do, you, do you have, uh, could you put that in the show notes? Yes, I'll find it. Um, but it was interesting because it was saying that you need to, it doesn't matter when you go to sleep, as long as you go to sleep when you're tired, uh, and as long as you wake up at the same time every single day. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I said, don't go to bed. If you're not tired yet, and don't don't stay up even if you are tired. Like okay. if you're tired at eight p.m., go to sleep at eight. If you're not tired until ten thirty or eleven, don't go to sleep until then. But still wake up at six or seven, even on the weekends. I don't know if I can do that, but I'll try and find that article. Yeah, you've complained about that to me before. That you'll go out on the weekend, you'll party, you do whatever no, you do, and party, then and party like, with bat watching Netflix, and then <laughs> and then you'll say, "Oh, I slept." You know, gosh, Sunday, I I slept until ten ten thirty on Sunday, and I'm like, "I don't wow. like doing that." I mean, my body enjoys it, but I don't like to wake up and be like, "Great, half the day is gone." I've got an even better way, and this is the tip you're only going to get here on this show. An even better way to ensure that you become an early riser. And it is, I, it is foolproof. It is 100% guaranteed. And I, I, I mean, I'm not going to back this up with, with money because I know it, but it will work. Guaranteed way to become an early riser. If this is one of your goals, Hattie, if this is I'm something listening. you want to have a couple kids and they will They'll make you, <laughs> make you <laughs> into an early riser faster than you've ever believed you could be. And you know what? I guarantee it'll last that way for at least 10, 15 years. You, you think that would guaranteed. help me? Guaranteed. So you can look at, I mean, that's an exercise for the listener and for you on your own, but 
I do have a good article here from a friend of the show, David Hanemeyer Hansen. Uh, you may know him as the co-founder of Basecamp. You may know him as one of the creators or the creator of Rails. At the end of last year, he posted an article called Manufacturing Quality Time. And uh, it's a very, very short, I mean, it, it's maybe a five-minute read. But what he says, he says, uh, he's often asked the question of like, how do you juggle it all? How is it that you manage to be such a productive person? You're building base camp, you're doing all these other things, how do you do it? And he explains that he doesn't really fit that mold of the highly productive person. Right. He says, I usually sleep a good eight and a half to nine hours every night. I take pride in making work fit the traditional 40-hour week constraint. I have no drive for more, more, more. He says, if I have a trick, it's a focus on the quality of each individual hour. That doesn't mean time management in the 1990s sense of the term, slicing each hour to the last minute and squeezing it for every last second of peak productivity, but it does cover a realization that all hours are not, create, are not created or spent equal. An hour haunted by stress, interruption, sleep deprivation, or frazzle is not worth the 60 minutes it's allotted. It's a low-quality hour. You'd be foolish to expect that you can turn such dirty input into clear accomplishments. Garbage in, garbage out. 40 hours of work every week is a king's keep. I contend that almost anything can be accomplished with such a glorious budget, but not if you squander it on meetings, multitasking, or poorly defined problems. There's no limit. See the amount of time that can be wasted like that. A very fascinating way to yeah, look at it. I like that. A big part, uh, and then he goes on to list some questions that you can ask yourself to determine how you spend your time, how to increase the quality of your hours and what he terms the purity of your hours. These are his refinement techniques. Title, refinement techniques. One of the questions he says is, do I really need to be involved in this? Like, if you're working with other people on a team, you kind of, and I, I talked about this before, about a guy I used to work with, Joe, who always wanted to have his name on every project. He was involved in everything. I don't think he ever did anything. I don't think he did anything ever. But I think that having his name in everything made him feel good. It made him feel like he was accomplishing stuff. Do I really need to be involved in this? The value of just skin, this is, uh, this is David writing again. The value of just skimming that email, turning down that meeting invitation, not depositing your two cents in the chat seems abstract in the moment, but diligently refraining from chiming in and collaborating is what gives room for making more important progress on fewer things. Another one of his questions, could this wait? putting something on the back burner. Another, can I bail on this? You know, learning to give up. Learning to say, I don't need to do this thing. And his last one is, am I ready for this? And I, I forget what it was, Heidi. I asked your opinion of something the other day. And you Thank said, you. I don't, I don't want to talk about it or think about it right now. I need to let it stew in the back of my mind and I'll come back to oh, it yeah. later my you know and 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 I know guys for sure are very much like that. 
I'm very much like that. Like if I if I think of something it's more about a decision than like how I feel about something. If yeah. I if I'm trying to figure out how I feel about a situation that might be complex, I have to talk about it. Yeah. With someone and I might have to say things like that makes me angry. And then if I hear it out loud, I'll be like, well, is it really anger that I'm feeling or am I feeling more sad or is it more complex than that? You know, so that so feelings, I have to talk about it. Decisions, I have to not think about it if I've thought about it a lot. Like if I've if I've gone into my mode of like compare and contrast pros, right. cons, um, you know, like weighing everything. If I've done that, then I have to go away from it. And then I wait. Right. And I do other things. Kind of stews in the back of your mind. Especially cleaning, like cleaning the house or something like that. That's a great way for me to think about things. Um, Hattie will come in in the morning and say, I cleaned last night. I love cleaning. I love it. it. Come come over to my house. You'll never have an end of things to clean up. Another thing, if you love cleaning, get kids because you'll be cleaning up all day every day. I loved cleaning even in college. And I loved it so much that my side was always clean of the dorm. And so I would go and I would clean uh, my roommate's side, too, because I wanted something to do. <laughs> gross. You're gross. You tell you, speaking of gross, <laughs> let me tell you about our first sponsor. It's meh.com. Have you heard of this website, Hattie? Meh. Meh. <laughs> meh. dot com. So if you remember back in the old days, there was this site called Woot, Woot.com. I used to say Woot all the time. Woot got bought by Amazon, and my understanding is Amazon messed it up. I mean, that's me speaking, is my opinion. <laughs> but like big companies often do when they buy something, they mess it up. So the guys who created Woot came back and said, we're going to do this again. We're going to do a really awesome one deal a day kind of site because Amazon started, turned Woot into like tons of stuff that. More than just one deal a day. Yeah, it was tons of deals and it didn't make any sense. And so they wanted to revive. Yeah, they quit. I have a feeling. And this is, this is the thing. I have to say, I ne- I'm not sure, but I'm friends with the, the founder of Meh. And. He's a really, really nice guy. He's like a family guy. He's got a, a wife and a kid. Very polite child. <laughs> the child's creepy in how polite He's it like is. He's like a little adult. Yeah. Father, might oh. I please have some toffee? No, you go. You have a wonderful time. Yeah. I'll see you when you return. He's automated the child. Anyway, he that's beside the point. has automated or the child is automated? Either way. Okay. The kid's a genius. Yeah. I never want my kids to meet his kid. <laughs> I'll be playing with a stick. Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like that's that thing in The Simpsons where uh, I don't, you, you have not watched The Simpsons. Shame on not you. Not enough of it. But the daughter, Lisa, yes. is very, very bright. She's very smart. And she's used to being the smartest kid, not only in the family, but like in her whole school. Oh, but then she goes to... She winds up going to, <laughs> I forget, there's a new girl in school or something. And she winds up going over that. And, and this girl is like even smarter. And she comes from a family who's even smarter. And, and everybody's uh, very proper. Every, and yeah. they're doing, I forget what they're doing, but they're doing some kind of incredibly complicated like word game or something at the dinner table. And Lisa, who's never, not used to being challenged in this way, it's even a little over her head. And she says, 
uh, she says to, uh, you know, the wrong answer to when she's she's asked it and it's clear she doesn't completely get it. She tries and she doesn't quite get it. And then the, the dad comes over and, and, and hands her, he brings out a ball and he says, here's a ball, Lisa, perhaps you'd like to bounce it. <laughs> like this is, this, this is, is what, kid, yeah. I don't want my kids to feel like that. So I'm terrified to have them meet because his kid's a super genius. It's true. Six months old and the kid's wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. He tied the tie. Himself. Tied the tie himself. Yeah. He's speaking Russian along with English fluent. Anyway, I don't know what's going on in their household. But they he comes around. He makes meh. Meh.com. My theory is that uh, this guy, he's su- super rich. I think he's super rich. Yeah. And you know how you can tell when people are super rich? When their kids are smart? Yeah. Well, yes. Because <laughs> we know all rich people are smart. But, uh, but I think because he wears, when you meet him, he wears like really like basic clothes from like, like Target clothes and stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And like people who've got big money, I found, they don't even care about like big money. They don't care about clothing. Look at um, Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Like Whenever they show him shorts. out a, a Shark Tank, he's wearing <laughs> basketball shorts and a t-shirt that's like three sizes too small for him. <laughs> And nobody His has the nerve to tell anything. him that it, that shirt's too small right. for you, dude. If I wore a shirt three sizes too and small, and it's got like those uh, Adidas black, um, like slip on, <laughs> right, <laughs> flip flop things, yeah. And you know, w- one sock, the other foot's barefoot. Yeah. No one would dare say. I think he does it on purpose. I would. The mad guy's kind of like that. Yeah, he's like, I dare you to. T-. He doesn't need anything from anybody. Yeah. But that's how you know that Mad dot com is good. Because he doesn't care. He's only going to make something awesome. He yeah. doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. He's, yeah. He's not doing it to get rich quick because he already got rich, I think. He's going to have to tell me yes or no. But here's what they do. <laughs> Matt will get one. Uh, they will get. They will find one thing and put it up on the site. And that'll be that deal. And then the next day, it's gone. When they sell out, it's gone. Yep. So you have to check it. A lot. <laughs> you have to check it every day. You got to wake up and check it every day. But they've got a, like a whole community around there. I think you should set it as they've your homepage. They've got these page. daily, uh, daily videos that are amazing. The right whoever's writing these these posts about the hilarious. items are hilarious. I just read it in the morning, like a part of my day, starting my day. It's the way to do it. And it's very. I mean, it hooks you. It hooks you in. So check out today's deal. And I didn't know. I don't know before the show what it's going to be. I like to be surprised. Mad.com today, they have the Canon EOS Rebel T5 digital SLR. <gasps> really? The, it's so uh, with an EFS 1855mm lens for 294 bucks. Hattie might be buying a Hattie camera Hattie might have today. to get a camera. <laughs> and, and, and so some deals are great, like this one, because that's 550 bucks list. It's 400 bucks at Amazon. Okay, but wow. they also have, you can see what their past deals were. There's a little past deals button. They give you the best deal. It's not always amazing like this. Sometimes it is. They had like, you know, they have every, I'm just going back through the last ones. They had a, a, a Toshiba Chromebook. They had a Targus laptop bag. They had a Star Wars water bottle. They had a contractor's knife. It had a little, a little hawk beak knife. That's cool. They sold a refurbed Apple Watch, a barware set. I mean, it could be anything. You never know what it's going to be. But that's the fun of it. You know, I think you're right. So go to meh, M-E-H, meh.com. 
And uh, shame on them if they sponsor any other show again, ever, after this 30-minute read. So thanks very much to Matt. Matt.com. It was kind of an ad for his child. His child, because his child's too smart. For his, I'm worried about his child. Because he's going to walk out into the world with the rest of us. Yeah. And he'll be like, this is, people talk about Paris Hilton. People talk about someone named Tyga. Spelled T-Y-G-A. He's in, I'm going back home. I only want, I just want baby future. <laughs> So, you know, that's the best tweet of time. When you talk about time, you talk about juggling. And every single day, every single day, I say to myself, you know what I'm going to do today, Hattie? What? I'm only going to, I'm going to stop doing all these other shows that I do. I'm going to only focus on the one thing I've got to get. I've got to get Fireside out the door. For people who don't know what Fireside is, I've spent the last year building, essentially taking all the stuff that I've learned from running a podcast platform and network since 2009 everything that i've learned doing that and i've turned that into a podcast hosting and analytics platform i've got, had some help doing it but you you basically all you do is you write that code and then you do a show and i write code then i help you sell then no, i write you code no you don't even talk and, to me yeah. <laughs> and uh and and so i've been working really hard on this but I really, I keep thinking to myself, you know, I got to stop doing these other shows. I got to do, I got to do less, but what I do, I have to make better. Put more of yourself into fewer projects. Yeah. Invest more in less. Does that? Yes. Yeah. Statement pieces. Statement capsule pieces. Capsule closet. What is that? A capsule wardrobe. You say this like that's a term <laughs> that I know. No, it's just a term that some people might know. What is it? But you buy, uh, instead of like, I bought 15 shirts at Target, and then I got like three from Banana Republic, and then I got a skirt from this place, and you know, just constantly buying clothes. Each, I think it's by season. You buy, like, you get two pair of pants, one skirt, a dress, and three tops, or something like that. I, I'm not a master, because I'm not doing a capsule closet, because I like clothes too much. Um. But anyway, you buy like these these pieces and that's all and that's what you have. But the pieces that you buy are more more versatile and you can do more with them and they're higher quality, you know, so instead of buying like 17 pairs of jeans for $40, mm-hmm. you have two pair of jeans that maybe were like 300 or 400 each. Okay. But they're going to last a long time and they're going to be really really good. So, that's a but that when you said do do more with less, that's what I was thinking. Well, I mean, I, I like that. I like that approach. You know, there's that old I don't I don't know if it's true or not. We've talked about it before, the thing that Einstein used to go and have, you know, seven of the same outfits, so he never had to think about it. Oh yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Like in the fly. Yeah. I think that's a little bit extreme. But I do think I would get there's, bored there's of a that. huge advantage though. Well, I, I think for men, it's a little bit easier to get away with it. But if well, but, oh, you know what? What I know why I get bored with it, especially now. I already did that for from kindergarten until the did eighth grade. I wore uniforms, so I didn't get to choose my clothes for a long time. It's probably why I still have so much fun with them now. Yeah, <laughs> I love uniforms. It was nice never having to worry about what I put on, and I saved a lot of money on clothes too because it was just whatever was. 
clean that day yeah. of the two shirts that I had. <laughs> so anyway, go read this article. It's a really good piece. It talks about how to manage, I guess, how to manage your time, but it all comes down to the approach. You know, you always read these books that the habits of the highly effective people. And there, there is, I think a lot of the folks in the audience are going to agree with the, the statement I'm about to make. And that is, I think a lot of people generally tend to believe that anything in the world can, if you study it and invest enough time, that that's a skill that you can master, that everything can be broken down, analyzed, understood. And then if, if you are willing to put in the time that you can master that skill. And a, an example that I've heard of that, that where someone actually tried to put this to the test, relates to golf. And there was a guy, I, I wish I could remember his name. I think we may have talked about it a few years ago on a show. It's not worth looking up. Uh, the guy um, went out and he wanted to get good at golf. Not just good like he could go and play with his buddies, but good that he really wanted to excel at it. And he went out and he said, okay, well, what, how much time do I need to invest? And he determined how much time it was. And he went and he got pro lessons. And then he spent many hours a day out there golfing. And he said, at this rate, in two years, I'll be, I will be a pro level golfer. That didn't mean that he could enter and play against, you know, right. Tiger Woods or whatever. Well, maybe now he could, but he would be of the level that he could at least try out for an event and potentially get in. Make it, right. Yeah, make the cut. And he was able to do it. I don't remember if he made the cut, but he was able to get really, really good and he could go and play golf courses and, and he, would, he was a, you know, a scratch golfer or better. And it just shows what people are capable of doing. But I don't believe that being, a, being successful is simply a matter of teasing apart the details, analyzing something, breaking it down, and then performing tasks. I think there's so much more to it. There yeah, are so many people that I know who... Are successful because of timing? Yeah, because timing of is such a big knew. part of it. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Five by five in my own personal success involved... A, a great deal <laughs> of, yes, time. putting in the time for sure, <laughs> but also a huge amount of timing and right. it wasn't planned. Like after I had been CTO, then I was CTO for a rails hosting company for another year or so. And then I stopped uh, doing that because I had just completely found it. I, I was not enjoying it. I was burnt out on it and I wanted to start something else. And I had already been doing some podcasts and I've been making some money doing that. And I, I said, you know what? There are people out there who are making a living doing this. I could probably make a living doing this. And I said, I've got nothing to lose at this point. So I tried it and it wound up being successful. But a big part of that was timing. I knew at the time that I was doing it, I knew that there was an opportunity, but I didn't see it. And his, say, oh, in three years, this is where I'll right, be. And then, and no then I can move on and do this. And then, yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, I've got to strike while the iron's hot. It wasn't like that either. No. I simply saw. I think people now are feeling that way. Podcasting, it's huge. Right. I better do it now. Right. For me, it was more like, this is the right time for me to do it. And you know what? It seems like there isn't a lot of really great 
podcast material out there. You saw a spot. I saw a spot and I decided I would I would try it. And so much has changed since then in, in, in this space. I would think that now is not the time to say I'm going to try and make a living podcasting. It would be very, very hard to do that now unless you're a huge media figure, unless you're a big celebrity. I've talked about this on a show I do called The Podcast Method. I'm not going to go into it too much now. But I believe that, there, that timing is a huge way to, to get ahead in something. But there's also, and you can't ever overestimate the importance of the people that you know, who you know. Because I was able to go to people like Jeffrey Zeldman and say, Will you will you do this? Will you do a show with me? And he said, "Yes, I would love to do that." You know, and that was the genesis of a new show. And talking to the people that I eventually talked to to interview on the Pipeline interview show, that was a huge deal. But those are people that I had worked with and that I'd known for for many years, and that I had thought would be, oh wow, this would be great to interview this person. And what I'm saying is. These, none of these, one of these things is enough. It has to be many things. You have to have a good idea and it has to be the right time and it has to, you know. And so and the world has to be ready for it. The too, world has to be which ready you for have it. no, you can't make people, you couldn't have made people be ready for podcasting any earlier than they, than the world discovered it and Apple, you know, put the iTunes, the right. podcast in iTunes and things like that. So, right. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that that just mimicking somebody else's steps steps is mm-hmm. not enough. And very often I hear people who have had a great deal or some deal a deal of success saying something like I didn't do anything you couldn't do. Everything that I'm doing is something that you could break down, reproduce and do on your own. And then some people hear that and then they go and try it and they don't have the level of success that that, and they're that shocked, person did. They're and shocked they're frustrated, and surprised. Right. So, you know, I, I think that there is a huge, a huge opportunity for people to do the thing that they love, but not just by following in somebody else's footsteps not just by following somebody else's instructions, not by following what they did. Learn from what someone else has done, but really try and analyze that as an opportunity, Hattie. Really try and analyze what they did that was right as opposed to the steps that they took. Does That's, that make yeah, sense? Yes. You know what? Well, as you're talking, I've, I rem- I'm thinking of all of these articles that are like the seven tips to become or to get more followers on Instagram or like, six tips for a better selfie or whatever like you could do all of those and still nothing would happen like um you know how to make your brand six tips to make your brand more you know appealing to millennials or something like that like those really won't help you like though it's not just a one-step thing to success if you do those six things then you will be successful right but it doesn't work that way no, and I and feel like a lot of people read those articles yeah, and do. think that, oh, if I just do these things, then I will be one of those cool fashion bloggers. No, you can't. 
maybe you can, but yeah, I don't know. And I, you know, and it's, it's, if you want to try it, you can look (laughs) around and trying to be discouraging. Well, you can see people who are making a name for themselves, who are coming up in the world and doing these great things. And they're kind of coming out of nowhere, you know, but it's, it's, it's so tough to do that. And people seem to feel so discouraged. And I get, I get questions from people all the time. Usually it's around podcasting because that's what people know me as doing. But before I ever did any podcasting, I became pretty prominent in the Rails community as like a speaker. And I had two or three of the first big Rails apps out there. Uh, Dan Cederholm and I built Corked. I wrote the uh, publishing tools and, and management system for uh, A List Apart, which Zeldman and his camp is involved with. And there were a couple other projects that I did. And before that, I was the guy that wrote like blog posts and tutorials on HiveLogic.com. And, you know, like it, it's, it's weird because there's once in a while someone will come up and be like, oh, I remember, you know, 15 years ago Your or whatever. Your HiveLogic post. Yeah, that post helped me install such and such on my Mac or whatever. You know, I mean, it's. It, that to me feels like ancient history. You know, it feels like a billion years ago that I was doing uh, that kind of work. But there's still people around who remember it. There's still people around who, you know, you, you so that thing that you do, especially if it's on the internet, kind of lives forever. You know, it kind of lives forever. Yeah. And we have this attitude, and this is one of the topics I want to talk about today about attention span and building things at last. Last week on... Um, I like how you look at me when you say attention span. <laughs> well, you're just... as You're getting cookies now. You're up <laughs> running around the office. I got cookies. That's it. But I think... I, I and, and talking with, with John Roderick last week on road work, it occurs to me that, you know, people don't seem to be building things to last anymore. And and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I've got to do another sponsor. It's Quip. Q-U-I-P. And they're over at Quip dot com and uh and, and and let me tell you about quip the way that we work this is that this is their their opinion i tend to agree with it but that the way we work today is dumb right in the in in the sense that we're drowning in email we're interrupted by meetings and we get nothing done the former cto of facebook brett taylor and the creator of google app engine kevin gibbs they came together and they said you know what there's a better way to work. There is a better way to communicate. We will figure this out. And they started Quip. Quip is a company. They're, they're basically, they're crazy enough to rethink and, and then build a productivity suite from the ground up because the old tools were built on an old paradigm, an old technology stack, a non-mobile era. And they don't meet the needs of today's teams. They try, but they fail. So like quit working dumb. It's not your fault. It's tools, right? So they made better tools. They're obsessed about the, the combination, the marriage, the intersection of communication and content creation. And they have created a pretty magical experience. It's, it's over there at Quip. You can go take a tour. Quip.com, Q-U-I-P, Quip.com slash about is where you go to learn all about the stuff that they do there. But their goal is to have you communicate with as little email as possible. Chat is built into every document that you create there. So you want to discuss the content, you want to revise it, like chat is built into that. No more email chains. 
Manage your team, your company's organization with shared folders, custom permissions, notifications, living documents that allow real-time communication. All this discussion built in, all this chatting built in. None of it in another application, another email chain. It's all just there. Who uses it? Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, CNN, Quora, New Relic, Instacart, Product Hunt, Stripe. Just a few. You could be one of them. Head over to Quip. They made a special URL, quipquip.com slash quit. I know it has like a little play on words Quip.com slash quit. To learn more, thanks very much to Quip for making this show possible. Support the show, quip.com slash quit. But I'm I'm worried about the attention span. I'm very worried about the attention span. My kids, if you think about it, they don't have to wait for anything. For anything. She says as she threw a cookie. Throws a cookie in her. <laughs> Sorry. They don't you know what? They want to see the next episode. There it is on Netflix. There it is on Hulu. There it is on Plex. They want to watch that movie again? There it is. When I was a kid, I was suffered and I had to wait for the next time that the thing would come on. How how or I, even I want to go I I want to rent that movie from Blockbuster and oops. then you drive there yeah, right. and then you get there and they're like, "Oh, we're all out." And you're like, "No." And now I have to wait an extra and they're like, "When are you guys going to get it back in?" I don't know. Whenever somebody returns one of the DVDs. Right. Like That's it. Ugh. Oh, it's it's due back Tuesday, but, but who well, knows who if knows? they'll bring it back. Who knows? <laughs> Everything was just used to be so up in there. I don't know. Right. And my kids can't wait. I mean, I could barely wait when I was a kid, but I had to, you know, I'd watch, I'd watch, I'd get 30 minutes a week of the Transformers cartoon. And that was it. I have to wait a whole week for another episode of the Transformers. I don't know how I did it. But everything is geared toward a short attention span. Everything today is encouraging a shorter attention span, if you think about it. The fact that We'll take we'll we'll take Snapchat, the the darling of Sean West's uh, life, Snapchat, the darling of Gary Vaynerchuk's life, Snapchat. And if if you do Snapchat well, I think I think it it makes you feel pretty good, and I think it makes the people who follow you on Snapchat feel pretty good if you do it well. Yeah. But there's something about the transient nature of Snapchat that is incredibly appealing to millennials. There's something... Most millennials. Most. <laughs> Put a little asterisk right, right. there. Then at the bottom, it would say, not Hattie. Not really Hattie. <laughs> Even though I do have a short attention span. I don't think you do, first of all. But well, there is something about... And, and, you know, it's, it's... Somebody on Twitter was talking to me about this topic and he was saying in in regards to this episode that i did with uh with uh with john and i want to make sure i say the right person yeah andrew chalfin andrew chalfin on twitter he says you know he, he he's basically saying that it's like Maybe snap that's the Snapchat generation in the sense that they embrace impermanence rather than saving or collecting or preserving. That's what I was said to you the other day where yeah. I was like, do you think people are living in the moment more? Because we're not 
you know, I used to go to concerts and things like that. And like I would spend the majority of the concert taking photos, trying to like document the experience, you know, like save it. Yeah. But I feel like now people are, you know, doing the Snapchats and things like that. Like they're not trying to document it anymore. Right. That's not what people, people aren't trying to document anymore. It's weird. It's more of like sharing the experience that you're having right then, I guess. That's, that's, that's a great way to describe it. I think that's the best way I've heard to describe. And that's a subtle difference in that. It's like you just opened a little door. And if you're like, this is me at work right now, like people really enjoy that because I think, and this is something else we were talking about the other day, just knowing that one other person might be going through the same thing that you're going through. Right. Or might also have the same desk as you. I mean, like, it can be really small, but I think that makes people feel more connected in a larger sense. And I think that, you know, the internet, you weren't, that was the first time people were really able to feel like they weren't the only people going through something or feeling right. something or, right. Right. or dealing with a problem. And I think that when people think, open up their lives, because yeah. a lot of Snapchat is like funny and silly, but I feel like there's a lot of other people using that and Vine and other things to talk about really serious subjects too. Yes. And it's an easier way for those people to talk about things. So do you, do you think Hattie that there, that is it a generalization and is it incorrect to say that it's old fashioned or perceived by the Snapchat generation as old-fashioned to want to preserve things or to want to catalog Um, things or to be not focused. Because like some of the the best insight that we have into ancient history are found not by these giant monuments that we've built or by these, but, but by these tiny little relics of like, this is a pot that a family right. used to wash their hands. You know, like they can learn so much about this pot or, or people who actually like the regular person, not the, the royalty or the people in power, but like the regular person who wrote about what it was like to like live through the time of the, of the plague or something. And right. like, not the doctor's notes on that, but like the person who just like lived in a town who wrote down what she saw every day. Like yeah. that, like, I think that this is almost an extension of the diary in a way, but it's not saved. It's not, right. I, I would tell you I what. I think it's a 2016 version of a diary. I would love to go back and, well, that scares me if that's true. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I would love to go back in time and encourage myself to keep a, because I'm a, I'm a boy, I could never call it a diary, a right, journal. a journal. But to keep a journal of what was going on. And, ah, screw it. I don't care about that. I don't want to do that. I didn't want to do anything like that back then. I didn't want to keep a journal. I was way too ADD for that. But like, I wish that I had because I could go back and see what it was that I was doing or what it was that I was thinking about. You know, there's like eight pictures of me from age two to age 18. You know, and none of them are good. (laughs) And I wish there were a whole lot of pictures for me. I would love to go back and see what I was thinking. Now, that's more of a personal investigation than it is of a sharing kind of a thing. And I agree that like, like I remember um, my mom texted me and she's like, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I think I took a picture of like 
I was grilling burgers on a grill and I sent her that, you know, it was like a Saturday and I was there with my family and like sent that picture. I don't want to save that picture. I don't need right, that don't taking need up that. space on my phone and in my iCloud uh, storage and all this crap. So but what to, if that's a, a look into your daily life? Okay, that you that's might interesting. Want. But like, that's the perfect thing to put up on Snapchat, where where if people are interested in like Dan's story and what he did, they right, could go like, and see that. When you're on stage with Weird Al, like you want to document that. But I want to document that. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to say that because that's maybe the only time I'll ever get to sit next to Weird Al in my whole life. Right. So that's important, and I might want to share it on a Snapchat type of thing too, but there, it, it, it feels like to me like the idea that you make something and then it's gone instantaneously, that's fine, and I definitely see that as a form of entertainment. I think in a lot of ways, sports are very much like that. When I was thinking of analogies or comparisons to other things that go on, sports are a newscast. I'm not very interested in... In the local news, in general, are the way that it's uh, that it's delivered, uh, um, you know, every night of the week. But I'm even less interested in one from three months ago. Right. right. The only time I might be interested in lo- a local news report is if they're covering something that becomes like a huge story, and you, you want to see the origin of it. But uh, for me, like. That's what Snapchat almost feels like or like a sport, a sports game like, oh, you remember that college football game, you know, like, uh, you know, three seasons ago when this amazing thing happened. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember that, you know, like the, I, the value of seeing that even a, a month later or a year later is much less interesting unless you're like a coach or unless you're like an aspiring player. Like it doesn't so much matter. That game is kind of, oh, here was the score. That's what happened. This is where it put them. This is why they won that year's championship, whatever. It's not one of these things that you care about in the same in way. In the moment. In, it, it, you care about it then and then it happens and it's gone. You move on to the next thing. And then only if you need it to like put it in a perspective in a timeline. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, that actually turned out to be important and it happens we have footage of it or something. Right. It, there is certainly a value of it there, finding it, just rediscovering old footage. It's it's preserved, it's saved. And, and I, I also understand that there's a certain degree of ego in this, that like, why do you think, person... You that, need a video. Right, that what you're doing is so important that the rest of the world wants to see it forever. But compare Instagram... To and even Vine, yeah. To Snapchat, in that sense, uh, in that Instagram, it's yep. it is there forever. You keep that, and that's there. That's in your Instagram feed forever. I can go back to my Instagram feed and look at those things, or Flickr, or Twitter, yep. or Facebook, or whatever. And those things do remain. And with the internet there and the vast amount of storage that we have, the whole fact that it's transient up, you didn't see it, you might have missed it. It's this urgent 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 this thing's happening this thing's happening isn't this cool check this out i'm right here i'm with this, this person right now, now i'm with this person yeah. now i'm over here this, oh my gosh we went over here oh my god wasn't that funny did you see that did you see what this person did nope you missed it all you suck you're not keeping up with the. <laughs> i don't want that that was really fast i don't want that yeah i don't like that either i'm but people fashioned. love that well and what i was going to say was i feel like people realized that they were wasting production on things that no one was going to rewatch. explain like you were talking about the the news or whatever, there might be one day where it's like, we're not keeping any of this footage. We're just going to 
we're done for the day and it's all just live and then if it's not then it's over and we didn't keep any of it because you know what? it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter because no one's gonna be like what happened on june 5th 2013 on kxan like mm, i really but here's the here's the one thing that i find is a little bit different is it with something like snapchat and and some of these other services that are out there like that it's and let's say that that's okay and that that you know what for the things that you don't need to last you use snapchat for them I think that's perfectly fine, and that, and and that's how I'm kind of thinking of it and treating it now. But I think there's a there's a downside to all of this. There's a downside to the things fleeting. like that, right? We're and, gonna have a big chunk of history that's just missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that with everything on the internet, but that's true. You know, with w- what I feel that it does is that it trains it trains people to have a shorter attention span. Well, also to treat moments as throwaway, in a sense. Yes, to treat moments as throwaway, to have a shorter attention span. My my kids are ready for, you know, when one episode ends, they want the next one immediately. Um, and that's fine. You know what? We have that. That's great. That that's That's super cool. But I feel like it's hard enough for people to have a longer attention span. And my example to you the other day when we were talking about this off the air, I said... You know, imagine that there, there, there is no TV, there is no radio necessarily. Maybe you just have like an album to play. If people even knew what an album was, it's all about playlists now, isn't it? But if you just imagine just sitting alone, no one else there, no one else to talk to, just you with a hardcover book, no electronic devices. In fact, maybe no electricity, got a candle or you got the sunlight. Right. <laughs> And, you know, maybe maybe you have an album to play. Maybe you can listen to uh, a radio station, perhaps. Or a podcast. Or a podcast. <laughs> but that that's, that's all you've got. And you're not in control of what comes on the radio. It's just going to be whatever's on that station that they want to play. And you've got a book in your hand. And you've got the sunlight. And that's how you're going to spend your day. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, man, that would be like a great way to spend an afternoon. But if you're, I hazard to say, if you're 26 years old, 24 years old, 18 years old, the idea of doing that seems like you're going to be, you're going to be bouncing off the walls and tearing your hair out by the end of it. And prove, tell me I'm wrong. Email me. Tell me I'm wrong. I want to hear it. I want to, I want, I want to feel better about the the next generation. You know what? One thing that will make you feel better about the next generation is that uh, they're reading more books now than we used to. So, I like that. So I that's hope that's good. true. Yay. <laughs> but the idea of like doing that, like if someone is here, here's, here's an example of the kind of thing. I, oh man, I just, I had to unplug. I had to unplug and I just, I turned off my phone. As weird as that sounds. Right. I went to a cabin. There was no I internet. <laughs> and I spent three hours offline on Sunday and I totally felt recharged. I felt amazed. I was just, I was like reborn. I like went on a walk. I remember some friends of mine. Years ago, this was before my, uh, my first kid was born. They had a kid. They're totally like, they had their phones, they had TV, they had cable, they had every constant distractions all the time, everywhere, constant distractions. And he, and he told me, and this is back when I was like deep into my like meditation practice and everything else. And he told me, he's like, we had the most amazing night the other night. I'm like, yeah, what happened? He's like, we turn off the tv we didn't have our phones we didn't use the computer we turned off the lights in the house and let the sun just go down and we like the three of us it was 
man, woman, and their child. And we just sat there and just like talked and had silence and enjoyed it. I'm like, and? He's like, no, that, that's it. I'm like, that, that's what you did? And he's like, yeah, you should try it. I'm like, I do that a lot. <laughs> like right. every morning I do that for an hour or two. You know, like that's, that's why I'm waking up back then at five in the morning. Yeah. So that I can have a couple hours before I have to start my day of just, I would do a sitting meditation. I would do, I remember I would make, brew the tea in the morning. And I had this little thing. It's like an infuser you would put on top of your mug and you would put the loose leaf tea in it and the boiling water would go in there. And then after it had steeped for a long enough time, you would put it on top of your mug and it would drain down into the mug. And I would do this after I had done a, a sitting meditation. I was sitting for about 45 minutes doing what's uh, for people who are interested. It's a uh, Theravada style of Buddhist meditation, uh, Vipassana or insight meditation, mindfulness meditation, as they call it. And I would come out and I would do this tea and I would watch like the whole brewing process where it would steep for like three to five minutes. And I would just watch it and watch the little bubbles of the tea leaves and watch the tea leaves just mm -hmm. slightly suspended in there. And some would move and like, this was fascinating to me, you know, <laughs> yeah, like I could, yeah, I could watch it. I could spend this three minutes in a, this completely mindful state, completely entertained by tea leaves and water. And, you know, and, and so like listening to him talk about this, I was like, you, you guys should do that more often. Yeah. You know, like he's like, well, you know, it was like a, it was like a one time thing, you know, <laughs> one time. Yeah. But the like, you know, but like you think about how things have changed, you know, you think about how, how rarely we do manual physical work anymore uh, that we're not using right. our, you know, we might go and work out, but that, that a big part of a human being's day would be spent going from one place to another on their feet, lifting something, carrying something, doing monotonous, repetitive doing work one, and you know what? digging a hole for one an hour. Thing at a you know? time. Yes. You're one not thing like multitasking, like on your phone and walking your dog or something like right. just one thing. Like I'll go, I'll, I'll go on walks a lot and I'll see people like you're saying, like they'll be on an act, they'll be in their exercise outfit. They'll be walking their dog. They'll be talking on the phone, right. all this stuff at once. And maybe that's what they've got to do. I'm not knocking them for it. Like, right. all right. That might be how they fit everything in. <laughs> but like, if you're, if you're like, you're on an exercise walk, like uh, take your headphones off. Right. Maybe don't even take headphones. I mean, you. I want you to listen to the podcast, so please well, listen yeah. to the podcast, but <laughs> some, you know, once, Listen to an episode and then, yeah, you know. But like, I remember this, and uh, we've got to do another spot here. But I, re I remember when I was in, uh, in therapy like 10, 12 years ago, and I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, uh, she was asking me about like jogging and other things I did. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and I made some comment of like, oh, you know, because I, I had to make sure that the thing was charged. And she's like, well, what would happen if your, you know, your iPod wasn't charged? I'm like, well, then I, I, then I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be able to listen to anything while I was jogging. She's like, yeah. She's like, then what would happen? <laughs> I'm like, I, really... I'm like, I, I don't know what would happen to me. I, well, I, I would be no, jogging would, with no sound. Right, I, mean, I, I would have nothing to listen to. And she's like, wow, imagine that. But I think, and I stopped really, listening yeah. to anything while I jogged for like the next month, and it was fine. I was fine. I it did probably, just fine. You it probably 
made you enjoy and look around a little bit more. Yeah, like I started to pay attention to where like, oh, I was at that moment. Like that house, that tree looks cool. Look right. at that squirrel. <laughs> that's by the way, that's a lot of the time when you're like, Patty, did you hear what I said? And I was like, mm, kind of. You're looking at squirrels. I'm I actually have a problem spacing out a little bit too much. Um, but I've always been that way. Well, let me tell you about bench. In case I space out, yeah. they'll take care of everything. They'll take care of it. I love bench. <laughs> I love bench. Me too. Bench, let me tell you about bench. Bench is amazing. And I was a bench customer before they were a sponsor. And I started using them and I became obsessed. A man obsessed. And I contacted them and I said, yeah, you have to let me, you have to sponsor this stuff because if you don't, uh, you're going to wind up with a lot of free sponsorship because I'm going to talk about it all the time. And they're like, well, why should we sponsor that? And I said, because you must. <laughs> and they said, okay. They said, okay. <laughs> they're an amazing service. They're an online bookkeeping service that pairs you with a team of dedicated bookkeepers who use simple, elegant software to do your bookkeeping for you. We were working with, well, before I had a bookkeeper, it was complete chaos. And yeah. so eventually I hired a bookkeeper and she was a wonderful person, wonderful person. But she was expensive and she was used to dealing with bigger companies, I think, or, or companies that had more money to spend yeah. because like, she was like a full service uh, kind of a company. And just to get her time, just to engage with her, required a certain amount of her time and her effort and her energy and she had like a had like a minimum like i got she wasn't you know in house or anything like that right but the whole thing with bookkeeping is like i i I realized i'm like man we're spending a small fortune on her to get this done is there anything cheaper is there anything else is there any other way that i could get my bookkeeping done and all these uh, accounts reconciled and payments categorized and uh, things tallied up and i can get the the p and l the things that make profit you lay loss down. And, and then yeah and then <laughs> and then like at the end of the year be able to just hand this to my accountant so my accountant doesn't charge me a million dollars to try and figure everything out just hand it to them be like up oh, there you go that's everything i want it and then i found bench bench.co and they handle your bookkeeping so you don't have to they help you focus on what matters most real human beings you get a dedicated bookkeeper that works at bench that's there to like answer your questions, solve your problems, figure everything out. It's like that personal line in uh, Up in the Air when they're like, hello, Mr. Bing, when he just called Right, 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 right. When he got his like a uh, million miles. Yep. You just call him. You can ask him a question. They're there all the time. If they have a question about like, like something like that doesn't add up in your thing, they'll be like, oh, here's three transactions that we found. How do we, how should we categorize these? What, what are these? You go in, you pick from a little menu or you can type a note and be like, oh, that was, you know, I, I, I purchased a, a Dell monitor. I don't know why it's coming up is coming from this company. It actually was from Amazon. Maybe it's a third party seller. And, and they saw that and they're like, oh, well, if you send your invoice for that, we can write this off as like a business expense because it was over 500 bucks. Like they're, they're watching out for you. Great folks, please people. I'm telling you. This is great, a great service. You're by yourself in your business or you've got a couple people. You don't have time to mess with this. I love this company. I love what they're doing. I love their software. I love their setup. Couldn't be easier. And they're going to give you 20% off your first six months if you go to bench.co slash quit. It's all secured. It's all ties into your accounts. You don't have to do anything. Bench.co slash quit. 20% off your first six months. I can't endorse this company enough. I love it. I love what they're doing. Great people to work with. You can't, you can't, Hattie, 
you can't buy me. You can't pay me to say that. No, I know. I would just do the read. I would just do the read if I didn't think that they were great. I'm using them. I'm a customer. Great stuff. Go check it out. Bench.co slash Quinn. The last topic that I have really here to do is is this self-esteem movement thing that we've talked about before. But I started thinking about it again because I listened to a, a podcast called No Agenda. It's done by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. And on a recent episode, I think it was 810, number 810, they were talking about millennials and how millennials are, I don't know the right, how the best way to say it is, but that millennials are incapable of receiving criticism. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not motivated. They don't communicate effectively uh, and all this stuff. And they were talking about it, not in a negative way. On that episode, just discussing, just discussing it, and I, I, one of the things that they mentioned was the uh, this this thing called, and I'd never heard this term before, even though we've been talking about it forever. It's called the self esteem movement, total frat move blog. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Total frat move blog. Long time ago, uh, Hattie. was telling me about a website called Total Frat Move Blog. I think it's totalfratmoveblog.com. But the way she said it was she There's said... There's no need to go and visit it. She said, no, don't, don't. Don't go. Don't. But she said Total Frat Move Blog. And like the she put the emphasis on Yeah, move. and he's been making fun of me Total frat for move it for blog. like four years. <laughs> Total Frat Move Blog. I can't get it out of my head ever since you say it. So I know. now anytime... What it was that site anyway? I don't know. Total Frat Move Blog. We're not sending people to some no. Don't go to look site. at that. Instead, instead, I would say Total Frat Move Blog. Total Frat Move. It's a frat move, right? Not Total Frat Move Blog. Like food, we used to have this this uh, this supermarket called Food Lion, or was it Food Lion? No one knows. Anyway. There is something called the self-esteem movement. And the self-esteem movement actually came about in the late 60s, early 70s. Nathaniel Brandon wrote a paper called The Psychology of Self-Esteem. And what this said is that feelings, here's a quote, feelings of self-esteem were the key to success in life. So many people started to find ways after reading this studying it that they what they needed to do is they needed to make their kids be filled with confidence they they needed to feel great and this is where the whole thing of everyone gets a trophy you can be anything you want no one actually wins i mean my parents always told me you can be whatever you want i'd be like what can i do yes of course you can be that and they had all these games that attempted to engage children so there were no winners or losers. And here's a quote from this article in Psychology Today that I found for it. It's, it's in the show notes. 
It says the parents who embrace these efforts did so out of love and with the most noble of intentions. The only problem is that these efforts simply do not work. Self-esteem is not something conferred. It is earned through taking risks and developing skills. When children stretch themselves, they expand their sense of their own capability and then feel confident to tackle the next challenge. Confidence comes from competence. We do not bestow it as a gift. And this article goes on to talk about how uh, how the the um, the this movement, self-esteem movement, has done an entire generation a huge disservice. That we think as parents that we're preparing our kids to be independent, to be confident, to be capable. And what we do is a reaction, many of us, is we try to protect them. We try to ensure that they will only do things that they're capable of succeeding at. Because if you know that they are going to fail at something or might get laughed at or something, of course you don't want them to feel that. Right. You want, I mean, your, your, your strong instinct as a parent is to protect. You want to keep your kids safe. You want to keep them from feeling bad. You want to keep them from getting hurt. You want to keep them from making mistakes. You want them to only have successes. But they will never be able to appreciate success and they will never be able to really succeed truly without failure, without learning from their mistakes. The, in my opinion, a successful person is someone who says, oh man, I screwed up, but I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to move on and I'm going to try again. You can't try again if you never fail. You can't learn to pick yourself up if you never fail. And there are so many people today who are ill-equipped to fail, who are incapable of taking or accepting any kind of criticism whatsoever. They cannot accept criticism. Well, and now if anything bad happens, oh, I just write a Medium post, you know, and then that's, <laughs> that's done now. You must strive and you must fail. You absolutely must. Because if you don't, you will never learn. You'll never know how to reset yourself, how to pick yourself up, how to do the next thing and do it better. And that's what this show is all about, is like figuring out that thing that you want to do and, and doing it, figuring out how to improve yourself for the next time, there's another article here uh, by Albert Moeller talking about uh, an, another article in New York Magazine, which uh, will be in the show notes. It's called How Not to Talk to Your Kids. But 1969 is when this Nathaniel Brandon uh, self-esteem movement started. So do you fall into the self-esteem movement? No, definitely not. Uh, because your your mom's more straightforward with you. She was more straightforward with me. I think, I mean, she always tried to encourage me, but there was one thing that she used to say to me. I think she listens to the show. Yeah. She used to say one thing to me that I feel that I, it's not like I hold it against her cause she was a great, she was a great mom, but there was one thing she used to say to me that kind of gave me permission to do a half-ass job. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is, and, and she, it was not supposed to. But she'd be like, well, as long as you do your best, I'm, I'll be proud of you. Yeah. And 
she, and I'm like, sure, yeah, said that best. when I got like, you know, I tried and do it good. But then later on, I'd be like, yeah, I'm trying my best, ma. I just got to see anyway. Right, you know, like, like, can I have some money for gas? You know, and <laughs> and it was very much like that. Like, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, and I walk this line all the time with my kids of like, it's very easy for me to draw a hard line and be like, no, like, that's not okay. You, you know, there will be consequences if if you do this. And right. both my kids know that. They know that there will be consequences. They know that that there are certain expectations of them. But I will never make them feel bad if they make a mistake. I will never make them feel like they they are a failure if they failed at a task. And you know right. what? It's not the end of the world if they fail at something. I want them to know that failing at something, and you know what? Yes, it, they failed, and so did I. If I do something wrong and it doesn't work, that's a failure. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to right. call something a failure. If it is, if if you wanted to accomplish a goal and you did not accomplish the goal, you have failed to accomplish the goal. <laughs> therefore, you failed at that task. That does not mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean everything you do fails. It doesn't mean all you can do is fail. It means you tried to do something and it didn't work out. Call it what it is. Learn from it. And next time, don't make that mistake again. They, you know, Otherwise, you wind up with a generation of kids who don't understand what it is to really fail. Or when they fail, they completely fall apart because it's the first time they've ever failed. Very, and they're yeah, like, very true. I'm now in deep therapy you know, seven days a week because I, I got fired for the first time and I'm 31. Right. And, and in response to this, Hattie, the parents who have put their kids in this miserable situation of not knowing how to fail, not knowing how to start over, those parents are always cleaning up after their kids. Yeah. Those parents are always going to be there so that when that kid does fail and does get fired. It's okay. Or does, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You can move back home. We'll always be here for you, whatever you need. We'll come in and rescue you. And you know what? The school expects us to come in and rescue you. This other place expects you to come and do it. You know, and because I don't if want... you don't, oh my gosh, you're the worst parent ever. I'm you. I would never be that mean to my children. You know. Yeah, it's like my my. You know, like I was talking to my uh, kid's teacher, and I was I was it was you know one of these parent teacher meetings they have, and I said, "Am I supposed to be doing like checking his homework?" Like, am I supposed to be checking his math problems to make sure that he gets them right? And she's like, yeah, you, you can go over them at the end and, and make sure that, because, you know, I didn't know if he was supposed to be turning it in as it is for her to then mark it wrong. Or right. if, if, if he should be handing in a paper that's 100% correct he can do, right. because I went over it with him. Right. You know, and now it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to think it's almost like you and the teacher are both teaching in a way and there's kind of two parts to it where it's like she the teacher would teach a certain but like it seems it seems false to have him turn in a paper that's completely perfect because i went over it and pre-graded it and pre-proofread it but But then i started thinking about it and and like no you know what so like you're not fixing the answers answers. but you're telling him you should try this one again right and I, I will not say, oh, you know what, buddy? I, th- I think you try that one over. That, I'd be like, that one's wrong. That one's wrong. See, did you and hear that the one's wrong. I did. <laughs> try that one again. And, 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 and you know what? 
Because the a, word wrong sounds so mean. It's a math. It's a math problem. <laughs> right, and there's a right and wrong answer. There's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. One of the few things in life that does have a right and but wrong so, answer. But so, so what I what I will do is I will say, "Awesome job! You got these eight right. Good work Start on those." Start with the good. It looks like you're really getting multiplication now. You've really got it down. These two though were wrong, and you need to do them again. And let me know if you need help doing it. Do you it. see why they're wrong? Right. You know? He'll be like, okay, well, well, this one had this. I'll be like, okay. And we'll talk about it. I'll help him figure it out. Because but I'm not to... going to I'm not gonna be like, oh. That was good enough. You, yeah, you know what? Good enough. The fact that you completed your homework, right. that's no. all that matters. Right. Like, no, that's not. And yeah. I was talking, to, another thing I was talking to Merlin about on Back to Work was uh, about this homework issue. Was that. Oh, yeah. And I have, I have a comment on that. Well, I want to hear it. Uh, it is is that for for him, it I don't just want him to complete the homework. I want him to do it right, right. And I don't want him to turn it in unless he has taken his time to do it. I don't want him to rush through it because the goal is to do the work, not to turn it in. The goal is to complete the homework. To the best of your ability, not just to have some to hand to the to the teacher. What is your comment, Hattie? My comment is: Growing up, you know, if you in, in in my school, it was if you turn it in, like a maybe a paper or something like that. I'm trying to think about it. I think it was like if you turn a paper in a day late, it's automatically a seventy. That's like the highest grade you can get, or whatever. And very frequently. If I did turn it in late, it basically, it just gave me an extra day to not do my paper, (laughs) you know? And so I feel like growing up, it was very much like, just turn something in so you don't get a zero. Yeah. Because a zero, those add up. But a 70, at least that's 70, you know? So in that regard, I think it's a little bit of a contrast to- Yes, I agree. To what you're saying from a grades standpoint, which were very important growing up. Right. No, I mean, I don't. Especially and, 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 and my school. Oh my to gosh. clear this up, he's he's in second grade. Right. So he doesn't have a lot of like, term like papers grade, yet. 10 page papers. Right. But I want him to come and and it's the same thing. I think this applies for people doing their job. Like if if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Right. And taking your time to do something. When you get a, a thing and you open it up, read the instructions first. I never used to have patience for reading the instructions. And I would break my te- things. Yep. My teachers would do um, tests. I would break things. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't read the instructions. <laughs> my teachers would pass out tests that, you know, like the first question was like, you know, like, what color is the front door? Or like things like that. Things that were very easy. Or like, what's today's date? And things like that. But then... The very first sentence at the top of the paper, the instructions were like, do not fill out any of these questions. And like half of us would fail mm. because we just skipped right to the questions, didn't right. read anything. Yeah. Tricky people. Yeah. You know, I, I, I challenge people who are listening to this, especially if you fall into that age group where you might have been influenced by, influenced by this self-esteem movement, that are... Are you afraid to take any kind of criticism? Are you afraid to fail? Have you failed? Do you know what it feels like to fail? Do you know what it feels like to fail and start over again? That's very hard to do, and and that skill is not being taught. No. If you haven't been beaten up on the playground, 
then it, you haven't really been to school, have you? You know, well, girls don't get beat up. I'm sure the they did. The ones I knew did. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, getting. I grew beat up, up in Philadelphia. Everyone got beat up. I was collecting acorns. You get more points if you have the green ones. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I I think there's something to be said for that ability to persevere, that ability to come back, you know, in the 10th round. Let me tell you about Wellfront. It's an automated investment service. They're managing $3 billion in client assets. Could be yours. Here's what Wellfront does. They make it easy for anyone to get access to a sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment portfolio. Basically, they make a bucket. You can throw however much money you want in the bucket, and they will make sure that that money increases. That's their goal. That's what they do. And they do that through really, really smart algorithms. They do that through really smart people, picking the best index funds and reinvesting your money over and over again all the time. To make it grow, to reduce the amount of taxes that you're going to have to pay, and to reduce the money that you pay them. It seems crazy, right? Usually, if you were to go to one of these more traditional like investment management companies or people, they're going to take at least 1% per year in management fees. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it really adds up. Wealthfront takes only 0.25%. And here's something even cooler. The first $15,000 will be managed entirely free of charge for life because you're a listener of this show. That means in addition to never paying commissions or any hidden fees, you will not pay any management fees on that first $15,000 just because you're a listener. And here's where you go. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Again, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Go check them out. You can do pretty much anything you want there. They're really, really cool. And you're even going to earn an additional $5,000 managed for free for each friend you refer with no limits, no expiration on the fee waiver. Go check it out. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Self-esteem movement. What is self-esteem? It reflects a person's overall subjective emotional evaluation of his or her own worth. It's a judgment of oneself as well as an attitude toward the self. Self-esteem encompasses beliefs. For example, I am competent, I am worthy, and emotions such as triumph, despair, pride, and shame. The self-concept is what we think about the self. Self Self-esteem is the positive or negative evaluations of the self, as in how we feel about it. Self-esteem is attractive as a social psychological construct because researchers have conceptualized it as an influential predicator of certain outcomes, such as academic achievement, happiness, satisfaction in marriage and relationships, and criminal behavior, Addie. (laughs) Self-esteem can apply specifically to a particular dimension. For example, I believe I am a good writer and feel happy about that. Or a global extent. For example, I believe I am a bad person and I feel bad about myself in general. Psychologists usually regard self-esteem as an enduring personality characteristic, though normal short-term variations also exist. It's pretty interesting. Right, like if you're all dressed up for like a special event and like your hair's done and you're in your new dress or your new tuxedo, Mm -hmm. you're feeling good, your self-esteem is probably pretty high that day. Right. (laughs) But then the next day might, you know, 
maybe you're usually really have a really low self-esteem and then you don't feel so great the next day because that good day is now gone. <laughs> well, they break it all down. There's this really interesting triangle. It's actually, they call it the Pyramid of Maslow. That's cool. The Pyramid of Maslow. It's, it describes title. Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs represented as a pyramid. And each need builds upon another level of needs. So at the bottom, you've got the physiological needs. Above that, safety. Above that, love or feeling of belonging. Above that, esteem. And at the very top, self-actualization. So to, to quote... And he'll have to forgive his male-centric writing. Ah. What a man can be, he must be. And this quotation, <laughs> to quote this article I'm reading, this quotation forms the basis of the perceived need for self-actualization. This level of need refers to what a person's full potential is and the realization of that potential. Maslow describes this level as the desire to accomplish everything that one can to become the most one can be. But if you, if you extract that out and really think about it, I, I feel like this self-esteem movement and what, what millennials sort of are experiencing are, are actually two different things. And there's, there, I, I want, you know, when you think about the old days where like a kid would get a bad grade and there were lots of kids in my class who when they got a bad grade, they were petrified because they knew when they got home, right, it was more they about were going to get home, the crap beat out of them. Right, because it's, you better get good grades, not, right. oh my gosh, I, Hattie, got right. a bad grade. Exactly. And I think that... I cared more than my parents did. <laughs> you know, there was that, there were many people that I knew in my age group who, if they didn't make A's, like, they were, they were in trouble. Like, there was yeah. going to be hell to pay when they got home. Physical abuse. And I saw kids come in or the next like day with a black A's, eye. Really? Yeah. Because of a grade? Yeah. And that was not, that wasn't, like, their child services weren't going to be called for that. Right. It was just, oh, man, poor kid. Like, and that was usually the kid that was the bully that would beat us up. Oh, the 70s. You know? But, like, by then, that was winding down. Right. Now, if your kid trips and falls and, and you take him to the doctor for that, they look like at they're you. looking <laughs> at you. And, and you know, you say that's as it should be, but there is a very, very different attitude now around all of this. And the weird thing for me is that the schools, the institutions, whatever else are not, they, they know that parents are going to be acting that way. And it's completely acceptable for them to act that way anyway which way to 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 be these sort of helicoptering protective parents that are supporting them and they can do no wrong and they don't even give grades anymore and the grades that they give are like um acceptable needs improvement you know like yeah it's there is no f i always remember that when i when i was looking at like what the breakdown was for like the grades when we get our report card and like c was average Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, C is not average. C is failing. C like, is failing. Yeah. C was failing to me. B was like, you did almost good enough. And then A was like, you actually did a really good job. Right. Like anything. It's like whenever you go and you uh, you get your your 
uh, service at a, the car place. And they stand there and they would, I just want to let you know anything less than five stars is failure for us. So uh, is there any reason to why you won't be able to give us five stars when Honda contacts you directly? <laughs> like, no, I'll give you five stars. Okay, because that's uh, anything less than five stars is a failure for us. We consider that a failure. So uh, are you sure there's nothing that would stop you from uh, from giving us five stars today on the service you received? No, I'll give you five stars. All right, well, that's great to hear it. If there's anything that comes to mind after you get back home, you have any questions, you can feel free to give me a call. Again, five stars when they give you... Okay. That made me tired yeah. when you did that. You didn't <laughs> yawn, though. No, it made me shut down emotionally. If you would like to uh, <laughs> to help Hattie's self-esteem, you can follow, me on uh, follow her on Twitter. She's like at, all my Instagram. Like everything. Like everything. Tweet, <laughs> retweet everything. Heart everything, because that's what the millennials are all about. Hearts, tweets, likes. We love the hearts. Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. I'm not good at Snapchat, so don't. You can follow me, but nothing's going to happen there. And I'm Dan <laughs> Benjamin on Twitter. If you want to ask me questions, that's the place to do it. You can also go to 5by5.tv slash contact and fill out the form. It's not a form. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Click the link and send us an email. And if you don't want your uh, story read on the air, <laughs> then uh, let us know. Otherwise, we'll think it's safe to do that. And uh, we sure do appreciate the feedback that we get. Tell me your story. What have you done? What challenges are you facing? What questions do you have? What, what thoughts do you have about awesome millennials? What story <laughs> have you got to tell? And yeah, what do you think about millennials? Are you a millennial? Have I got it wrong? Tell me. 5by5.tv slash contact. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. <laughs>